Today's episode contains explicit language and conversations around sex, human anatomy, menstruation, and personal experiences. We advise that you don't listen to this in the company of little ones or anyone who may be uncomfortable with these topics. Hey, sugars, come on in and take a seat. You're listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast about sex, health, and thriving. I'm your host, B. Dixon, co-founder and CEO of The Honey Pot Company. And I'm your other host, Javon Alfieri, The Honey Pot's director of digital. Ooh, now let's dig in. Well, I think this is like our holiday party, New Year's Aww. Eve party wrapped into one new episode of The Potluck. Where there's four people. You know what? <gasps> no, I Do love it. Do you want it. an invitation to my party no, or I not? Love it. I'm there. I'm here. I'm here. I love it. It's a four people Ew. party. Those are my kinds of parties. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm so excited that we have two guests and amazing team members from the Honey Pot here. I'm going to pass it off um, so that they can introduce themselves. Uh, Desiree, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, um, I'm Desiree. I'm the director of social and community at the Honey Pot Co. I have the great pleasure of being on Instagram with all of you followers every day. I'm from the great state of Texas, but currently in New York. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. And you, Lavori, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I am Lavori. I am the Director of Innovation at the Honeypot Company. So I get to work with B to help bring all of her brilliant, beautiful concepts um, and concepts that we get from you all to life and turn them into the products that you see on shelf. So currently residing in the Twin Cities, originally from Georgia by way of Philadelphia, East Coast girl, Southern Roots. I love that. Well, we are so happy you're here today. I think it's cool that we get to, like, we obviously share this internally. The podcast is, you know, a meaningful addition to the brand and what we get to do. We don't every day get the chance to bring in, like, our team members and and our colleagues. And so it's great to create this space. And, of course, in true Desiree fashion, she, like, branded this as different flavors of aunties. So really that is... The genesis for this conversation (laughs) is that, you know, we're all here to talk about this year in reflection, but also what it means to be ultra present and then have an eye towards the future. Um, And so I'm really excited for us to get into the depths of today's conversation with a new crew. It's so exciting. So I'm going to kick us off and um, just, you know, talk a bit about the podcast and what we've been up to here. And I would love for you, Des and Lavori, to be able to share what your favorite episode of The Honey Potluck was and why, or any tidbits you learned, if any. Yeah. I remember one of my favorite moments is when you and B were describing like, I, I can't remember if it was like your sexual flavor. I think, G, you said you were like vanilla or something. I can't remember what you described. It <laughs> and it might have. And I love that conversation. I, that shit was hilarious to me. Um, that was a super fun episode. Um, what was one of my favorite episodes, though? I really like the conversation with Dr. Naika. I thought that was really good and insightful. And I also really love the sex in the city. Okay. That's interesting. Des, I want you, you can probably punctuate on this better than me. I didn't watch Sex in the City growing up. Uh, my generation wow. was more like girlfriends. And so here 
all talk about it and just mm. seeing how dynamic it was, you know, across the spectrum of aunties or women, it was just really interesting to hear. Because um, at first I was like, sex in the city, but then it was like, no, this is like really shaping culture. Um, no, I, I was going to say the exact same thing because I was actually really young when Sex and the City came out, like way too young to know what was going on in those girls' lives. And so I remember seeing like my mom and my aunties talk about it and watch it, but it was never a competition I could be a part of. And so I watched it much later in life, I think after its peak to where it kind of had at that point, like, you know, Sex and the City 2 had come out. And so it was kind of over. And so I loved being the conversation was seeing it. Well, I felt like I was in the conversation. I was listening and I was talking back. Like I, I was it. actually at the podcast table. Um, but I think it was that opportunity I was finally getting to sit at like the adults table that you see on Thanksgiving <laughs> where your mom was like sitting at. And I was like getting to like finally talk about it. Um, so that was my favorite episode. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing. It's so funny because we didn't, like, again, that one was a total shot in the dark. Like, yeah. we're going out on this limb. We know that, like, obviously there are a mass amount of humans, candidly, experiences that were underrepresented in that whole show. But then also knowing that there was just this, like, massive following and that it actually, a lot of people did capture education through it. In fact, I was recently, look, saw on someone's, I think, Instagram or they were producing content that was, like, Charlotte was at the gynecologist and she was like, I have a depressed vagina. And turns out she had like vulvodynia, which apparently is like this three-month period where you have excruciating vulvar pain that, you know, comes in the form of like irritation, this, that, and the other. And like, then there was an OBGYN who was, you know, watching this episode of Sex in the City and then proceeding to debunk it and say like, vulvodynia is like, you know, it's very common. It's very experienced. But those were real experiences of seeing someone go to an OBGYN, which otherwise weren't, you know, illustrated in in certain kind of, you know, mediums. So I think it's fascinating. But thank you both for sharing. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so what are some of the conversations that you have with friends, family, coworkers is kind of hard because, like, we actually talk about everything at the honeypot. Yeah. Yeah. And we love each <laughs> yeah. other. Yeah. I'm like, should I ask Desiree what's the craziest story I've ever told her about myself? Just kidding. Oh, my God. Uh, no, do not ask her that. <laughs> no, actually, when you defined yourself as vanilla, I was like, really? You would define it as vanilla? And I was like, let me just. <laughs> you both are undermining the fact that I said vanilla extract, yes, which means you did. that it is potent. It is. But it's still and you pretty you just need basic. a little bit. The reality of it, though, is that what I said in that episode, which I think reigns true, is that my kink is connection. So if someone is into certain things that I have yet to explore or am curious Absolutely. about, then I do have a unique willingness to pursue them. Absolutely. However, it has to be underscored by connection because then I just don't feel safe. And safety to me takes precedence. And safety is when you get into a place when you're open enough yeah. With your body, with your with your mate, with your partner, right? To be whatever you want to be, even if Correct. that is vanilla extract. Even if know? it is vanilla extract. Exactly. Um, so, okay, so the question is, what are conversations you have with friends and family that you wish we talked more about on the podcast? I think that, and maybe this is a reflection of the nature of, like, kind of what I do day to day. I think there is a lot of, like, timely social conversations that were happening and just because of the nature of a podcast you don't get to have that immediate feedback and so I think there was so much that kind of 
went on on digital in terms of vaginal care conversations where that is like the squirting versus pee conversation were resurrected or you had like a well-known podcaster kind of making jokes about vaginal wellness and the smell of one's vagina and you know, I think like when these things kind of came on, like whether that be like Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, I wanted to like have those like auntie competitions like right then. And I think that was something that like we kind of like jumped on the call with John. I know you and I talked and like I kind of talked to my girlfriends. So like, hey, did you hear they found like blue dye in the bladder? It's confirmed. Like it is pee, for example. And so I think those are, are really great opportunities. Something that, you know, you wish you had your aunties to talk about when like you know, those should not be named went on a podcast talking about haha vagina smell, you kind of wanted to like, sit in that panel in that moment and respond if that makes sense. Zoe did teach us about urine in squirting. In squirting. Yes. Yes. Zoe did call it out. Yes. Before the study was done, she was like, it is urine. <laughs> Thank you. And Lavori, how about you? What are some conversations that you guys have that you wish we could take on? You know, I feel like a lot of the conversations that I am having in my circles kind of are some of the things that we talk about, but I feel like they more so relate to like some of the conversations in the comments. I know like one of the episodes y'all talked about just like how our conversations have been ingrained or almost like we've been indoctrined into like identifying our intimate parts in a certain way. So I think if I'm just like answering, honestly, a lot of our conversations are really just kind of like putting feelers out there uh, to kind of see like, you know, are you having this common experience as well? Um, and and I, I find like a lot of that mm. to also kind of be what I see in the comments between like our followers, which is really interesting. So I like that too, actually, mm. because the thing that's real is that we're all connected Right. We're all we're all experiencing the same shit all the time. We are. You know? Well, it's um, like when the micro becomes the macro and vice versa, right? And yeah. like you always yeah, you just kind of always assume that you're in isolation. And there are variables, of course, that are like purely yours. And of course. But then when you actually say it out loud, someone's like, Yes. Yeah. Been there, done that, had that same experience. And I think that to your exact point, Lavori, like that happens even more so because we are in possession of this, like, anatomical thing that is very volatile that is open to, you know, so much feedback. And, and most of us don't know much about it. Yeah. Let's get personal. Mm. <laughs> What's something you've learned, you know, in 2022 over the course of this year that you want to share? Oh, Wait, I want to hear your one, Gigi. Okay. What is something I've learned in 2022? Okay, so I was on vacation, and I did a past life regression. Wait, I lied. It wasn't a past life. It was a higher self encounter. And my higher self told me, care, not control. Mm. Care, not control. And they kept, like, repeating it to me in kind of like a melodic, continued cadence. And I've been saying that mantra every day. It's like, take care, be mindful, be present, but you don't have to control everything. I think I'm going to take that mantra. Okay. So I had a similar experience, only mine involved some mushrooms. Mm. And and I met with my higher self, but I also met with, with past lives. Right. Um, but one of the things that I learned, let it. And, it. and it actually lends to the care, not control, you know? Right. Let it be whatever it is. 
I would say to go my journey, I did not meet my higher self or my previous selves, but I did meet my younger self. And we did this actually together. We did a cacao journey. We were supposed to connect with our younger self, um, which I have not talked to her in a bit, which was fun. In that journey, I think I realized that a lot of stuff I thought I kind of healed from. And of course, like through each year you grow so much, you really don't think about like, what was your like biggest fear when you were seven, right? But within the journey, I kind of have realized that a lot of fears that I had when I was a kid still very much project these days. And I had been trying to make this effort of like wellness and self-care as we always are. And, you know, I think what I was kind of missing is figuring out why I kept neglecting my wellness and why I kept overproducing in so many facets of my life, but underproducing when it came to caring for myself. And so in talking to my younger self, I realized like her biggest fear is like being undesired was like the word I kind of had come up with Um, and realizing that like I really had done all these things because my biggest objective is that people like me, they leave situations like happy with me, that I'm able to be proud of who other people would define me as. And so my biggest learning was like, okay, like I will never actually meet this, this epitome of self-care wellness unless I kind of solve that. And so my biggest thing was realizing, like, okay, like wellness isn't it like my bubble bath or my week-long vacation or my like daily hot girl walks. Like really it was like solving all those things and really giving like the seven-year-old Desiree affirmation. I actually watched a TikTok about this and they recommended you take a picture of your younger self and put her somewhere. And then every day you kind of wake up and tell her like what she needed to hear. And you think about what are things that are going to make her happy. And so that is, that's helped a ton this year. Undesirability is the most shared experience outside of shame, I think. And it's one that we've all learned to temper and we've all learned to like reconstruct or like fix or hide or whatever. It is one of those shared experiences that we all have that is so, talk about taboo. Imagine telling someone who loves you, your friend or otherwise, that you feel X about yourself. It's uncomfortable beyond uncomfortable. And there's no world where that person's going to be like, yeah, girl, you're right. Like, right? And, it, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Right. Maybe, some, maybe you need to check your friends. But nonetheless, my point being is that, like, talk about something that is so taboo, that is so terrifying, that is so such a limitation. And, and yet something you learned that is going to unlock this future for you that is going to not only make your younger self happy, your middle life self happy, but your future self happy. And that's wild. It would just be amazing if we could figure out as a community how to talk about feeling undesirable. And, you know, there's just so many layers to it. And there's and it changes, right? Like, like one version of undesirability comes to life in a relationship versus in a professional dynamic, in friend groups, social environments, et cetera. And I think it's just, yeah, I, I just had to say that out loud. I just think it's such a universal experience. I totally agree. Um, so, Lavori, I would love to hear what you've learned this year. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I... Um... I have learned so many lessons this year. One is really just kind of been about defining truth. And I feel like that has really been a journey where I have come to accept and become okay with the fact that more than one truth can exist. And there is, you know, your truth, there's my truth. And then there is, you know, 
whatever kind of spiritual being may be at the center where you can see kind of like all truth and understanding, which really kind of make takes you, it empowers you to kind of step outside of yourself in certain situations when you are probably just really rooted and grounded in what you're standing for and what you know is right or what you believe to be right. And it kind of takes down that veil and allow you to see another side or just a different perspective other than your own a bit more clearly that's kind of outside of the the ego. That has been some really, really just kind of deep work that honestly has kind of permeated through a lot of different experiences that I've kind of had in life. And so this year, making my my way past 30, that has kind of been like the common thread that has kind of stood true in a lot of in each quarter. Wow. That's amazing. I think what I would love to hear from everyone is like, what do you hope to carry into 2023? Um, Because we've talked about the things that have elicited growth and then some of the things that maybe continue to be like, for lack of better words, pain points. But what is the most important thing for you to bring into the new year? Mm. I think for me is connecting to my body. Mm. Really, really, really staying active with wellness with being fit, getting massages, being connected to the beautiful human that I'm partnered with. Like really, really, you know, eating really, really, really well. I want from fucking here on out to just be the most amazing, beautiful, opulent experience inside my body. And that has nothing to do with money. And it would probably require money in order for me to do some of the things that I need to do in order to do that. But I just want to be wildly... In love. In love, (laughs) inside of me, outside of me. And I just want to be wildly well. I want you to be wildly well, too. Thank you. (laughs) I feel like I am. Yeah. Lavori? I'm on a kind of similar path as B from a... I think just like promoting wellness in every area of my life and and really carrying through like the see it throughness. I feel like I'm the kind of person that I'm like, all right, I'm on it. And then a little bit, you know, there might be like a couple of days Welcome and then I'll the fall club. off. And it might be a part of our Scorpio nature, potentially, who knows? But <laughs> a lot of times like we focus on Jan 1 or December 31st as being the new year, but I'm really feeling like I've started my new year like kind of early already. Like I thought I was going to do it with my birthday and then it was like that came and went and I still wasn't on it, but now I kind of feel like there's a groove a bit. And um, so, yeah, that's what I'm carrying. Just like it's really honoring myself, which I feel like is a just like very revolutionary act of self-love because... I think, Des, you talked about like deprioritizing yourself sometimes or like when it comes to self-care, like that being what you put off the most. And I'm just like, no, like I want to live long. I want to live well. I want these joints to stay lubricated. You know, I I want my organs to be taken care of. You know, I want to, you know, establish and maintain, you know, just balance. Um, And so um, in pieces, right? Small doses each time, you know, building on to that. But yeah, definitely carrying that energy through until the new year. That's beautiful. I'm so proud of you too. And Desiree, do you want to answer this question? I think I, I echo what Lavori and B said is that I'm really just looking for moments of wellness. I think what this year has really taught me is that I am not a superwoman and I've built into the superwoman schema 
Very much so. And so I had like some situations where like literally my body was like, we will not proceed forth unless you take a moment to rest. We're going to stop right here. And I would really just hope in 2023 that moment does not happen again. And I'm able to create stop gaps for myself before we have another situation where I'm like having panic attacks. And like now I'm like, okay, I don't understand why I'm breaking out a full body rash at this moment. That is my ultimate goal. And maybe that's a very low bar, but I think we're just going to start somewhere. We got to work on the rash. That's a high bar. Do you know why it's happening? it's just my stress levels so it got like to the point where i i went on a little teledoc call when it had happened like as soon as it happened i went on teledoc and i was like perfect you can see it and he was like that is a a rise in, in cortisol and you're stressed out and it's a rash because of that which is really amazing that your body works for you that way you know i i love that you're stopping and taking a moment to be like okay what just got me here thank you desi for sharing being open enough to share that because you're not the only person that deals with that, you know? So thank you for sharing that. All right. So I like to be anti-New Year's resolution. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, same. I think it, again, like commodification, like all of the stuff and then that just general buzz and tension that's created to make you feel like, oh, wow, just another point where I have to feel all of this pressure and all of this intensity around something that should be something I live by day to day. But again, I know that it is meaningful for a lot of humans to be able to mark the new year and to welcome the new year. So the way I always look at it is things that I want to carry, hence the question, carry into the new year, things that I um, want to let go, Mm -hmm. and things that I might be able to change. And so when I divvy it up that way, it gives me these kinds of buckets of things that I guess they make me feel more proactive than like shameful about what I was unable to accomplish or what have you. It's just more of like it's direct. It's like a it's like a spark goal. Right. <laughs> and it's very focused. So I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your take on resolutions? If anything, what's like what's the vibe? I don't know. The the mind f- is that it's made up, right? Like yeah. this isn't real. I am constantly working on myself. Yep. Constantly. The thing that I want to do better with is really taking time for myself, really connecting to me, really being in my body, you know, being quiet (laughs) and not having thoughts spinning. You know what I'm saying? And so those are just mantras that I think that I live by because I feel like whatever the new day is, like, you know, that's my new year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm constantly thinking about each day that way. So, but I do respect understanding what you want to accomplish or what where you want to put your focus at for the year. I think that that's important. Mm -hmm. But for me, that doesn't have to happen because it's December 31st. I don't necessarily subscribe to all the holidays, right? Like, Like, I have fun with them. Don't make me, don't get me wrong, right? But I don't live my life by that. I agree. I was actually, I didn't get a chance to answer the last question. I'm going to take just a quick second here. But what I want to carry into 2023, which now I'm thinking it is also kind of what Desiree said, is neutrality. Mm. I don't want peaks and valleys. I just want consistency and fluidity. Like, again, care not control. This does not have to be dramatic. It It doesn't doesn't have to be like everything in a tizzy all the time because that is my natural state, if I'm being honest. I am attracted to chaos. Um, 
So resolutions. Where are you guys at on the resolution spectrum? We like them. We don't. If we do, how are we thinking about them? I don't love them. And it's kind of to what you guys have hinted. But to me, I think years, because they are a construct made by humans, I think years are defined by things you can't control. And so if you think about the year of 2020, we're all going to list the things that happened that were really out of all of our control. But if I think of the year of me being 25, 26, Mm. those are things I think that were more reflective on how I grew and the milestones I able to achieve and the things I learned about myself. So I'm not a huge fan of subscribing to New Year's resolutions or even being by like, 365 days, 50 whatever weeks, like I have to get but, but, but done. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of sets me up personally for like a little bit of like disappointment and stress and anxiety over something that like really isn't that serious. I think the most common way you always see people like, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds by this year. Like for what? Like what is the number and the years? Like what are, what are all these values? And I do think it's super important to have goals. And so I try to like moreover set goals for again, like the years of my life. I don't do New Year's resolutions very much, actually. I, I'm on the same wave as y'all. No New Year's resolutions. Just gratefulness, gratitude, and just trying to love myself the most. Um, I think with that in mind, I know, you know, we're wrapping up this beautiful conversation, and Beer and I are so grateful for all that you do as our, you know, co-workers, but then also as people in our lives. But I want to end it with a kind of fun question, and hopefully we take it in that direction. It's a two-parter, so if you need me to repeat the question, let me know. If you could lean into one persona or archetype next year, who are they? What are they doing with their life? And the two-part element of this is if the honeypot was an archetype or a persona, who are they? I think this plays well into, I had someone reach out from like um, my childhood who was like, you look like you're like going on this like woo woo world tour on Instagram stories right now. Like what's going on? Why aren't you at home? (laughs) I really enjoyed that feedback. (laughs) Desiree was like, but actually it was at a peak season for Desiree because she was in Ibiza. She was then in, where were you? What happened after that? We had fun. That was beautiful. Yes. And then I decided to like, let's go see my friend in Chicago. And so I decided like just to book this random trip. And then we went to Santa Barbara. And I think that like, it's funny because it wasn't what I was feeling. It was an immediate response to that health episode I had. And I was like, I'm going to go to Ibiza. I'm going to have to drop everything and leave the country. And so when he had reached out and was like, what's going on? I was like, I want to actually live that. I want to feel like that, that what you're seeing online is that like, I am feeling at peace and at joy with my life. And from his perspective, he's like, you look like you're very unstressed. And I was like, I am very stressed actually. And I just wanted my persona is that I want to be what my Instagram story looked like this summer with Beyonce hair down my ass and the sun shining on my face. Oh, I'm up already. I don't know, y'all. I'm not sure my persona would be. I'm feeling very... A vocal, slightly liberated. I'm, I'm going to say someone and I might hopefully, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to be very much so saucy Santana as it pertains to persona mm-hmm. energy that I'm giving. Like it's giving a lot of that, you know, just a little bit more vibrancy, a little bit more, you know, been having this about to kind of stand in that a little bit, you know? So yeah, I'm kind of carrying that energy a little bit of, you know, 
very unbothered, very unbothered, but also yeah. just like very liberated. And I am about that. And also just mm-hmm. like in his moment, you know, so I'm with that. I second you, Desi. I want to be unstressed. And I think if I had to pick a person persona, I would pick my sister Gwyneth. When it comes to taking care of herself, she is so good at that shit. I know. You know? Yeah. I feel like mine is like me unleashed. Mm-hmm. That's the archetype is like me at divine feminine oh, man. dripping out of my everywhere. I love that. <laughs> okay. That's always the goal. And for me, that is always punctuated by play. Play is always on my list of like intentions or it's just like, how do you play more? How do you get more joyful, more free, more curious? I love being curious. Those archetypes are really important to me. And even though I know it's not real, I'm just going to say this word because... It's the one that's in my mind. Balance, Mm -hmm. you know? And like you said, neutrality. Just being able to just, like, be like that infinity Mm -hmm. sign and just flow. I think the past 10 years of my life, the work ethic and the drive and all the things have— So my masculine energy, it's like— Pulsating. It's pulsating yeah. because it had to, yeah. right? Dominant. And it is. It's dominant. And, and so now— I totally agree with you on that divine femininity. You know, now it's time for that masculine energy to really, like, calm the f*** down. Like, I'm telling you right now, masculine energy. You need to calm down. Everybody needs to calm down. Yeah. Because it's time for my feminine energy to play. Like, I don't want to work as hard as I've worked. And I don't want to—you know what I mean? I Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know the feminine side of myself. Yeah. I re- like, and that's not to say that I don't— Cause Cause we're not feminine. We're totally yeah. feminine, but still. We are, but I what I live in daily is a very masculine armor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. I'm hearing soft life energy. That's that's what it's giving, soft life. Soft life, yes. I have worked for it. We have worked for it. Yeah, we and have. So, you know, so yeah, soft life all, all day. All day. Yeah. Well, what a joy. Thank I, you, this is uh, Bea said this was her favorite podcast. This is my so you favorite episode. It. This, this is my one? favorite episode. Oh. Well, thank you both. Thank you. We love you so much. So, so much. We love y'all. If you guys want to come back, you are always welcome here. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast by The Honey Pot Company made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, B. Dixon. And I'm your co-host, Javon Alfieri. We're so grateful to have you here. We love you. Mean it. Thoughts and experiences recounted in this episode are hosts' own. Alana Herlins and Lizzie Stewart are our producers. Laura Boyman is our associate producer. Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor and mixer. A major thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. 